Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from San Francisco Bay. Today is Wednesday, December 27, 2017, and this is the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 8. It's the third paragraph, and we're going to start with near the end of that bleak November. We're going to read through seven graphs, paragraphs, and uh, ending with less longer than his preaching. Um, today's readers are Lindsay T. on the 12 Steps, Kathy G. on the 12 Traditions, uh, Mo H., Liat T.D., and Carrie S., readers of the text. And if you stick around for when we turn off the recording, the newcomer greeter will be Melanie C. And the share ID for Tuesday, December 26, 2017, 10 a.m. meeting is 10840-10840. And the share ID for this morning's meeting, Wednesday, December 27, 2017, 7 a.m. meeting is 10843-10843. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lindsay T. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning, this is Lindsay T., Compulsive Overeater. <clears throat> the 12 steps of uh, Overeaters Anonymous, one, we were powerless, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay T. I will now ask Kathy G. to read the 12 traditions. 
Good morning, everyone. This is Kathy G. from Illinois, and I am a joyful, compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. <coughs> oh, the puppy wanted to chime in. Sorry about that. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page eight. It's the third paragraph that begins with near the end of that bleak November. We're gonna read through seven paragraphs ending with last longer than his preaching. And I'm going to ask Mo H. to go ahead and read that paragraph, read that share. Yes. Good morning, Sylvia. Can you hear me? I can. There's a bit of an echo. Are you on a speakerphone? Uh, no, I'm not. I am okay. We can hear you. Echoey. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, You're good. I'm out of town right now. <laughs> okay. Um, near the end of that bleak November I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dare hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would 
needed before daylight. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. He was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wonder how he had escaped. Of course he would have dinner, and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had chartered an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. I can't understand her. I'm sorry to interrupt. All right. Uh, go, go ahead, Moet. I'll move and see if it's better, okay? Hang on one moment. Sorry about that. Is this better? Is this any better? Yes, Mo, go ahead. Yes, go okay. ahead. Okay. Uh, let me see. The door opened, and he stood there fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about, I queried. He looked straight at me simply, but smilingly, and said, I've got religion. I was aghast. That was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot, and now I suspected a little cracked about religion. He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire all right, but bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. Well, that's a lot in this in these uh, many paragraphs. Is I see here the beginning of AA, a be- beginning of AAs with uh, Ebby going uh, making a twelve step call and going uh, really looking for Bill and finding him and then going there and then sharing himself. And what this reminded me of was many years ago when I started in OA, I was really on fire with OA, and I was sharing it with everybody, and including my best friend. And I was a little bit over the top on sharing it, and she was sharing something that she had gotten into and sharing a lot of what she was into with me. And it started to make a, uh, a crack in our relationship. And so we both talked with each other and said that we needed to kind of calm it down about sharing about OA. And so the difference today is this is uh, what I do for me. If someone asks me about overeaters and about what I'm doing, about my weighing and measuring, and I do get asked a lot, I say what I'm doing, but I don't go any further until they ask more questions. So it's more of a personal thing. So that was one thing that hit me. And then the other thing was about hiding his gin so he knew that he had a stash. And that was really important to me when I was into the food or into my relapses, that I was always have to have my stash 
Um, I hid it in the closet. I hid it in the garage. I hid it in my car. I hid it all over um, so that I could feel comfortable knowing that there would be something there for me uh, if I ran out. And today I am so grateful that I don't have to do that anymore. I don't have to sneak food. I don't have to run to the store to get it when I run out. Um, I can just be with people. And this holiday has just been wonderful that I've been able to be with family and just focus on them. And with that, I'll pass. And I apologize for my conditions here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, Mo, very much for sharing. And um, I, I'm going to take uh, I'm going to take a list of readers. And just uh, generally, if we have our book out and reading through, it just makes it so it bring, really brings the text alive. And so we are on um, page eight, third paragraph, and we went through the story about Evie. And who would like to share? Gina R. Ronnie G. Amanda R. Okay, I've got Gina. Hold on, I've got Gina R., Carrie S., Amanda G., and I missed two people before that. Who's that? Shawnee B. G. Shawnee. Shawnee B. B or G. B. B. And Roz G. Okay, and Roz G. So I've got Gina R., Carrie S., Amanda G., Shannon B., Roz G. Who else? Leah T. I've got Leah T. D. Kathleen O. I've got Kathleen Ashley O, uh, Ashley, and I've got someone else who's tried a couple of times to get in there. Who is that? Kelly T. Kelly T. Okay, so this is who I've got. If I've missed anyone, you can let me know. Gina R, Carrie S, Amanda G, Shannon B, Raj G, Liat T D, Kathleen O, Kelly T, and Ashley P. Did I miss anyone? Okay, that's a good lineup. Let's start with Gina R. followed by Carrie S. Hey, Sylvia, thank you so much. This is Gina R., gratefully recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body in Green Valley, Arizona, starting my timer. Um, I I just realized um, that my Ebby actually also came to me in November. <laughs> And I never realized that before until just this morning. And um, because it was the preceding Halloween weekend that um, the last time I saw her, we were at a 12-step bonfire, and she was passing around a bowl of candy. And I had been in the middle of um, a, a lucid phase in my disease. I wasn't recovered, but I was under the care of a doctor with a particular uh, food plan and approach. And I was clear-headed, and I can remember thinking, what in the world has gotten into her? Because I knew we were both kind of in and out of OA, and it just made me really, really scared. Um, But she ended up going out to the Virginia Beach Convention, and she came back, and she did contact me in November. And I guess I didn't realize it until just this morning how bleak that November was. I do remember when she called, I had moved on from the other plan I was on and I was doing mindfulness um, eating. And I thought, oh, if she only knew about this approach and she wouldn't have had to go all the way to Virginia Beach to get whatever it is she's got. 
I, I remember actually just sitting in judgment about what was going on with her. Um, it, it took about six, five to six months, but I finally was able to reach my bottom, and I remembered uh, how she came to me. She was fresh-skinned and glowing, and there was something about her that was really, really different. Um, the other thing that was different, and I know it doesn't portray it so much in these paragraphs right here, but she didn't come on to me as a religious fanatic with whatever it was that she was doing. It was definitely the epitome of attraction, not promotion. She just gently reached out to me and trusted that my higher power would do with it whatever um, I was able to receive. And I am so, so grateful um, that I was because I ended up being very curious about what was going on with her. And I was able to reach out to her later and she was able to share with me the fullness of what had gone on with her and then connect me with another very special fellow who got me connected to this line in a very specific way. And I would just say for the newcomer, listen to the specific instructions you're hearing. If they tell you to stay on till after the end of the recording, do it. Listen to these meetings in full. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gina R. Carrie S. followed by Amanda R. Good morning, Sylvia. This is Carrie S. recovered in Colorado. Starting my timer. Um, so, so grateful. And um, for me, my Ebby was sitting across from me in a face-to-face -face meeting after my sponsor of two years had let me go. And I was at the bottom. I was dreary um, and I did not have that starry-eyed glow, but she did. And she was talking about staking a date and getting entirely abstinent and how, how the miracles had come for her. And I, I just looked straight at her after the meeting and I said, I want what you've got. Help me to get what you've got because mm -hmm. For me, that just that starry-eyed glow, you know, he had that starry-eyed look. Um, it's That's what I know now is the psychic change is because when I'm in the food, um, I'm like a wild animal with my eyes everywhere. I can't get my eyes off other people's food. I can't get my eyes focused on what God would have me be. And and here, um, our friend is is wanting to pass, wanting to carry the message on to Bill. And, and so I'm just so grateful that I get to listen to these, these stories, these shares on this line is that's the connection. I'm, I'm connecting to how you all got your spiritual awakening, how you all have gotten clean with your food. And um, just one more, uh, the entire abstinence piece I think is, is, um, is very challenging for me to sometimes as I sponsor um, because, you know, people say, oh, food's not black and white. Well, if I make a list of the foods that are my red light foods, that's black and white. I'm going to stay clear of those things that are going to trigger my mental obsession and the allergy of the body. And so I'm just so grateful to, to have the big book and to be able to be, um, I liked, I heard somebody say, a seasoned newcomer every day. May I open this book? 
may I see these pages anew, um, may I say the set-aside prayer, um, because that set-aside prayer, my Ebby really said it to me at the right time, and, and it helped me set aside everything I thought I knew about my food, about this book, and especially about my relationship with God. And so um, thank you, Sylvia, for your service, and if you're a newcomer out there, just keep coming back. God bless. With that, I pass. Thank you, Carrie S. Amanda R., followed by Shawnee B. Hi, it's Amanda R. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Maine. And uh, I was thinking about how Ebby was, uh, sorry, not Ebby, Bill. So Bill, Ebby says he's got religion and Bill is aghast. <laughs> Pretty strong word. It kind of cracks me up. And here's the thing. It, it wasn't that Bill did not want to get sober. He really did. He was trying as best he could and he knew he couldn't manage it on his own. It was just that he didn't think Abby had the answer, that Bill had an understanding of religion from his past uh, and how they, the interplay between religion and sobriety, and um, and Bill had pretty much written that off, that it, it, it just wasn't going to work for him. And um, I think people can come into OA the same way, and, and you know, they... they kind of like they want a food plan but they want to keep the spirituality part out of it because that just sounds kind of strange and untrustworthy and and it sure did to me too when I was in the beginning I, I just like I didn't really think I trusted anyone in a way to be to, to guide me in that department and yet like the the previous um share too to have an open mind that this is this is something we we use the word spiritual it's not quite what you might think it's a very practical set of directions specific things you do in order to remove the blocks between yourself and a higher power and then that higher power gives you the strength to live in recovery to remove that part of our brain, I'll speak for myself, that part of my brain that always told me it's going to be okay this time, I can have just one, everyone else is doing it, it's not a big deal, and and pretty soon I've had just like 150 instead of just one. So, yeah, I mean, it's a plug for, for come in with an open mind and really just give it a shot if you're sitting in your own bleak November because I don't know, worked for me when nothing else would and and it's kinda crazy. I had I really didn't think it would and yet it did. So grab a hold and give it a try and, and I pass. Thank you, Amanda R. Shawnee B followed by Ross G. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Shawnee B, grateful recovered compulsive overeater from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um and you know this part of the story really reminds me of how um I found my sponsor and um, and how she guided me through the program. And um, I came to the 12-step program not knowing anything about the 12 steps, not knowing anything about um, about the idea that food is not my problem, that food, uh, that I'm using food as a solution to my problem. Like I thought that I had this big problem with food and that I needed help. And I was really at an all-time low. You know, it was bleak. It was definitely a bleak November for me. 
I didn't know what to do. I was completely out of ideas. I was out of options. And I said, what the heck, let me give this a try. And, um, and, and my sponsor was there and available to carry the message to me, to pass it along. And this sentence um, in the middle of page nine, simply but smilingly, he said, um, that just reminds me also of my experience. You know, my sponsor really kept things simple for me. She was, she did not use too many words. She, she talked very, very simply, one sentence at a time. And, um, and that really, I think that really helped me grab onto the ideas of the program. And, you know, in that last paragraph, it says, let him rant. And that's something that I was so surprised about, the calm demeanor of my sponsor and, and this idea of, listen, this is what works for me. If you'd like to give it a try, I'm, I'm more than happy to help guide you through it. If you think that there's some other way that will work, go right ahead. You know, I'm not, I don't have a monopoly on, on recovery. And, um, and because I was at such a bottom and I just didn't know what else to do, I was really ready to follow direction. And that's a really great place to be in. As depressing and dismal as it sounds, to be completely broken and hopeless um, is a great place to be because I, I followed her direction. I, I can't say that I didn't fight along the way. I always had a, an answer and a comeback for everything that she asked me to do. But the end of the day is I did it because I didn't know what else to do. And I figured, let me give it a try. What do I have to lose? Let me give this a couple of months. How, 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 much, how much time did I spend on other diets and, you know, doing other things in hopes of finding the answer? So you know what? Even if this is not the answer for me, let me try it because what do I have to lose? And I did. I followed direction. I surrendered my food. I surrendered my will and my life over to the care of my higher power. And what do you know? It really worked. It really worked. The program of action was exactly what I needed. And a spiritual awakening sufficient to not go back to those foods is what I found for myself. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Shani B. Roz G, followed by Liat TD. Good morning. Uh, My name is Roz G. Excuse me. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles County. And uh, I'd like to just kind of put my share in two parts, a little bit of the history, which I'm learning, and myself and my recovery. So yesterday I was cleaning out my bedroom, out drawers, and I decided, and, and as I was cleaning out my closet, I pulled out some old CDs of Bill W. And I used to belong to this AACD of the Month Club, and I ordered some old CDs of Bill Wilson at um, what they called an old-timers conference. And he was at a talk, I believe it was in 1968 in Long Beach, California. He and Lois were speaking, uh, but it was mostly him. And so he talked about, um, he gave this story. It's so cool how I was listening to this yesterday, and we're reading it today and commenting on it. And he told the story about how Ebby was, driving drunk, he drove into this woman's house and got out of the house and, and looked at her and, and, and he was so drunk he said, how about a cup of coffee? And everybody laughed. And, um, but that got him into a lot of trouble and I guess it was Roland Hazard who had you know, heard about him, said, well, before you lock him up, let me take him to the Oxford groups and help him out. And so you know, as the story's told, Ebby goes to talk to Bill because he knows Bill has, has been in bad shape. And 
And Bill said, well, yeah, I had my crock of gin in my kitchen, and when Evie didn't want to drink, I wanted to know why. And he said, I've got religion, and oh, he was aghast. Just like he wrote it in the book, he said it. I was, I was like, oh, this is so cool. So what I would like to say is I was sitting in an OA meeting a few years ago, maybe about five or six years ago, and I had already been in OA for several years, same OA meeting, 10 a.m. Saturday morning, and, and, you know, I'm grateful for that meeting, but somebody was brought in, it was a, you know, a 15-minute lead, um, and the lady who was, came in brought her big book. She was fresh-skinned. She was serene. She had a normal-sized body or, you know, a good, healthy-sized body. And there was this serenity and this serene calmness about her when she shared. And I was attracted to that. And so I asked her about it, and she led me to a big book study, and a sponsor came and picked me out. And with some jigsawing along the way, I found Vision for You. And I'm grateful for that lady, even though she wasn't my sponsor, she was an ebby to me because of her fresh skin, of her calm demeanor, and the big book in her arm that she talked as she shared. And so I can also, <coughs> I can relate to hiding, thank you, I hear the timer, hiding food, hiding dove, dove candies in my drawers, same thing. But today I have recovery, a psychic change as a result of working these 10, 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Raj G. Liat TD, followed by Kathleen O. Good morning, Liat TD. Um, thank you for the people that are carrying this message and um, the meeting this morning. I can relate to Bill so much, you know, that bleak, the end of bleak November. You know, Bill at this point is drinking for about 20 years, and he's 39, and um, I mean, his life is so small. There's no job. His wife is going, working at the little department store, bringing a little money. He steals from her wallet. You know, I mean, this is a big guy that had dreams and and is capable of anything and, and very smart, very intelligent. And his life became so small, so small. There's really no friends, no job. You know, he's at home hiding you know, living like a criminal, stealing from his wife, hiding liquor, hiding himself. What a miserable life. You know, and I was thinking about my, my bleak, my bleak February of 2000. You know, I was a mother of two. I worked maybe three hours a week. Uh, just whatever I could contribute to the family. I, you know, my house was dirty. I couldn't even clean the dishes. I, I barely was able. I remember going to the park with my kids. I just I had bags full of food and just let it go go play. I couldn't, you know. I was I was thirty twenty nine. You know, I was just you know my house was darkened always with curtains, so people I had no friends. You know, I just you know it was bleak. Yet I couldn't stop eating. You know, and I remember going to OA meetings. I never stopped going. I started it when I was 17. I never stopped going. I would go to all the meetings, and I would hear people with fresh skin coming from food programs and people that work, you know, the big book, and I hated them. I was just like, you know, I was like, 
this is not the program, you know, and I was afraid that they'll take from me my misery. I don't know what I'm afraid of. So, uh, you know, I can relate to uh, Bill completely, you know, being depressed, being at the end of, but still hoping and chasing that maybe, maybe if he comes and will, you know, something that feeling that I used to get from the food that I don't get anymore. And I was hoping, and I was doing even worse thing with food that I've ever done, just maybe this will, you know, create that effect that I used to have. I used to get numb with the food, and it's not working anymore. And so um, the thing is that I'm going to conclude, you know, I'm finally, you know, God gave me that freedom, and I'm so grateful. But I can see this behavior throughout my sober life, too. All those 18 years, I come to bleak places. You know, and I continue to exercise. Okay, I'll just, you know, I do the same things. And, you know, at some point, what worked yesterday doesn't work anymore. And I need to push myself and to take more action so I can get fresh skin again. Because the skin doesn't stay fresh if I don't push new fresh stuff when things don't work. You know, and recently I had an experience where I I pushed religion. So why I hated religion. You know, and I got fresh skin. A miracle happened to me that I didn't, I hated, I didn't want, and it came to me. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm so happy in my heart. And I love you all. This is an amazing path, amazing program, and so much is in store. Have a great day. I pass. Thank you, Liat TD. Kathleen O, followed by Kelly T. Good morning. Thank you, Sylvia, for your excellent moderating this morning. This is Kathleen O. Recovered in Northern California. And this is very interesting. We have Bleak Bill, who's bleak and drinking. And then we have Ebby, and the words to describe him are cheery voice, smiling, fresh skinned, and glowing. And that pretty much sums it all up. Um, I probably don't need to say more, but I will. So near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. And how well I remember isolating in my home, eating until I was so stuffed that I'd feel sick. And then I'd be annoyed because I couldn't fit any more in my mouth. I mean, I felt like it was up, up to my neck and there was no room. And I'd wait for some of my food to digest so I could eat more. Talk about bleak. So Bill gets a call from his old school friend, Ebby. And remembering past drinking sprees with Ebby, he's anticipating how he can drink openly with Ebby. And I, too, loved binging with my friend who had the same eating symptoms I did of not being able to stop once I started. And we would get together and just have binge parties. And that's really all we ever had in common. It was kind of sad. So uh, his coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. So something good in what at that time was a pointless life for Bill. It was about to happen. Kind of the darkest hour is just before the dawn. And Ebby comes over and he's sober. But how is he sober? I've got religion. Well, if someone had told me that was the answer to my problem, I wouldn't only think they were a little cracked. I'd shove them back out the door. And, you know, I always question why um, Bill was able to stay sober and Ebby, unfortunately, was not able to stay sober as the years went by. And... History says that Ebby died drunk, but 
I think the difference is once Bill got sober, he continued helping drunks. And maybe if he stopped helping other drunks, maybe he lost the connection he had found in God. And I know for myself that as long as I stay connected to a power greater than myself, you know, participate on this phone call, be on this phone call, listen on this phone call, um, take and make phone calls, and stay connected with you guys, and and work this um, the steps. This you know, I'm going to stay rocketed in that fourth dimension. I'm going to stay in the sunlight of the spirit, and as long as I do all this. Food is not an issue. I don't, I don't want my red light foods at all, which is a miracle. And I get to experience the freedom and joy as a result of working this program of action. So, you know, if you're, if you're new and suffering in food, running your every thought and action, there's an answer in this book. And um, it, it truly is a miracle, but it's a program of action. We can't just sit back and listen. We've got to actually do the work. But it's so worth it. And I pass. Thank you. I love your little timer. <laughs> I'm surprised that it, you all can hear it so much. It's very quiet on this end. Okay, Kelly T. followed by Ashley P. Hello, everyone. My name is Kelly T. from New York City. Um, wow. I, I would. <laughs> this brought me back. Um, I've been in program for over two years and been through seven sponsors, and that's it. Reminded me how um, I used to be like, ha. Huh, let them talk, let them do whatever wrong. And all I would think about was about the food. And um, even at meetings, I'll hear, I wasn't really listening. It was like, oh, let them talk, and then after that, I'll get my fix. And it brought me to thinking about um, the, the previous sponsor, how she helped me with the binging and purging, but something was missing. Once I was done with the 12 steps, I was like, why don't I have that psychic change? What is going on? Um, shouldn't I feel the promises by now? And it was because I was an entire accident. I was still having my sugary foods and the red light foods. You know, like I was still getting away with things. And when I met my current sponsor uh, as a fellow, um, she didn't force me anything. She would just share her experience, strength, and hope. But she had that glow and that um, peace that I was longing for. I'm like, I'm not getting this with my last sponsor. And I was like, I need, I need this. I need to go further into my recovery. And I was able to work with her. Thank God she was available to sponsor me. And she introduced me to a vision. And it's just amazing how much um, awareness I have now and I like in the book when it says fresh skin and glowing, and that's what I saw in her, and I really wanted that for myself. And that's the, the psychic change we get from working the steps after step nine, you know, as we continue to work the program. And I really like the part of um, hiding the food and how I, I tricked myself thinking that that was the answer back then. And that didn't get me nowhere. I really had to put down the food in order, in order to really work, you know, to be absent completely. And it's just been a really humbling experience. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Kelly T. And now Ashley P. Hi, this is Ashley P. Recovered in Northern California. Can I be heard? Yes. Um, thank you. All right. Um, good morning, everybody. I'm really grateful to be on the line today. And um, 
let's see. So reading these paragraphs, I'm I'm just um, beyond what what's sort of been been said today. Um, I'm really mindful of of how much I can identify in by um, Bill's selfishness and and his lack of ability to be empathetic. Um, or or caring as of a dear friend in in these paragraphs. Um so I'm I'm just struck by the fact that um Bill knew that Abby um was a terrible alcoholic, that it it says um he was sober and then the sentence unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. Um so you know, Bill doesn't care in, in these paragraphs that Eddie Sober, he just wants to have his alcohol and, and have um, life with with this old friend be the way that it used to, which, you know, makes me think of the the tornado that we all are and, and the wreckage that we cause. And um, I can really identify in in these paragraphs because uh I remember hanging out with some of my friends from eating disorder treatment when I had relapsed and and just thinking, oh man, I, I really hope that they're not into all that big book stuff right now and that they're not going to throw program at me and and that we can, you know, just kind of eat and, and also restrict and, and maybe we can do a little um, exercising that isn't um, uh, particularly sober. I just, I wanted, you know, I wanted my life to be with them to be the way that was most comfortable for me at that moment, which was pretty uncomfortable. Um, And I'm, I just, I was kind of struck by how sarcastic um, Bill sounds in the the sentence. uh, So that was it last summer in alcoholic crackpot. Now I suspect it a little cracked about religion. Um, so, you know, it, it's just sort of the smallness of his heart at this moment and um, the addictive um, character um, defects that that I, I really remember in myself. Um, and then it's, you know, this is the beginning of working with um, another suffering, in his case, alcoholic, but this is the beginning of working with another um, compulsive eater and the beginning of a community that forms. And I'm just struck by the fact that it's, and I can hear that, Soria, thank you. This small moment is going to build into a huge miracle of, of a recovery community. And um, I'm really grateful for my small moments that built into huge miracles. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ashley P. So I'm going to take a very short list, three max. We'll probably only fit in two. Uh, for readers, for this. Uh, for okay, Wendy M. Okay, okay, that's it. I got Sherry KB. I got Wendy M. And that was Kathy G. That, G. Okay. And I'm not sure we'll get to you, Kathy, but we're going to give it a try. Sherry KB, followed by well, Wendy I'll M. Two minutes, Sylvia. No, okay, great. Um, okay. Hi, this is Sherry, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader. Um, thank you for your service, Sylvia, and everybody on the line. So here's the bottom line here. It's November. It's the end of November. And in December 11th, Bill checks himself into the hospital. So he's at his bottom here. And what what do you think here happens? His best friend, 
this God that he grew up with, they used to go on a jag together. It talks about it in the um, fourth paragraph that they used to go on a jag together and just get drunk. And um, so here's a guy who's his best friend who was, he, he thought he was insane. He had alcoholic insanity. And then all of a sudden he comes to Bill's house, sits at his kitchen table and looks across at him, and he sees this, this amazing look in his eyes, and he's, he's so different. He's inexplicably so different. And so here's Ebby carrying a message of death and weight to Bill, who's his best friend, who he used to drink together. And he's seeing the change in Ebby, and he's very curious about it. And here Ebby tells him, hey, I've got religion. Look what happened. I, you know, I've changed. And so that got Bill's attention for sure. And I know for me that I've had several Ebbies in my life, um, but I think the biggest Ebby I got was when I heard the people talk on A Vision for You, this healthy meeting of OA. That really got my attention because I had been white knuckling it for so long, even though I had lost the weight, I was still miserable and unhappy, and I couldn't understand why I hadn't arrived yet. But you know what? This group of people carried depth and weight for me, and when I was taken through the steps, I got to carry depth and weight so I can carry this message, and I continue to do so. And I don't want to be like Abby. I want to end up as Bill, that I stay abstinent, happily content, and stay recovered and work the steps and be useful to um, God and to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Whoa, Sherry, KB, thank you. Wendy M., followed by Kathy G. Yes, good morning, Wendy M., recovered um, gratefully in Colorado. And thank you, Sylvia, for your service and everybody else. And I'll try to do two minutes as well. So the first thing is somebody, first of all, concealing gin around the house. I mean, I had to have my food. There was no other question, and I really relate to Bill there. But interrupted by the telephone, I heard someone say this, and I thought it was so telling, that I need to get interrupted by the telephone because oftentimes, even recovered, I'll be in a trance. My mind will be in an alcoholic state, um, and I literally need that wake-up call. So when you guys call, I actually pick up the phone now because it's God calling me through you. And so I need to get interrupted. I need to be shaken up. I need that 10-step call um, to get me, to, to wake me up from state of trance to state of awake and, um, you know, in that sort of recovered state again. Um, so I love that, interrupted by the telephone. And then the table that they're sitting at, this is a true story. So many of us who were at the convention in uh, Newark drove on a Friday afternoon to Stepping Stones uh, which is where Bill and Lois lived out the rest, the late, latter part of their life. And at the kitchen, they have this table that Abby and Bill sat at. And when I sat there, I sat there with a friend of mine, a fellow, and we held hands. And it was so profound to be at the table, to be at this page, to be at page nine in real life, you know, and the gratitude that I felt, you know, and then walking up to where Bill writes his books up, up at his writing center and, you know, just the gratitude that I have for this table and for Ebby and, you know, just the fact that Bill gets it. I get Bill, you know, besides my gin would last longer than his preaching. People got in the way of my eating, get, you know, get out of my way. I need to eat. You're in my way and I'm not listening to anything that you're saying because it's all about the food. And then finally, just the gratitude I have for my Ebby fresh skin I want what she had, and I'll do what she did. And I heard someone recently say, this is a yes, ma'am program. Yes, ma'am, take direction, because my way wasn't working. And so I need to set aside absolutely everything and be in yes, ma'am. And, and I'll say one quick final thing, which is, 
you know, I'm noticing a lot of my sponsees and just in general, all of us, you know, it's the holidays. I don't need to make phone calls. I'm good to go. I don't think so. I need to interrupt. I need to be interrupted even more by the telephone. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Wendy M. And Kathy G., uh, you, you can uh, end this out. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much, Sylvia. And thank you so much, everyone on the line. I just love this meeting and so appreciate uh, what has uh, been said already. I just wanted to speak this morning because it was in November 2 in 1990, uh, November 17th, actually, that I was waving the white flag of surrender on my bulimia and that I met my at my first Ebby who passed away last year. And I am totally convinced that she must have had a conversation with God and sent me my second Ebby from A Vision for You in July of this year, um, who has been changing my life through working the steps with me and uh, just been set free to a completely new level. It was just um, the line that it said, with a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night. I just remember reflecting back to a meeting I was in, you know, in the 90s, thinking there are not enough M&Ms in an entire public swimming pool to satisfy this craving that I have for them. And I thought to myself, that is just not a normal thought in any way. And I am just so incredibly grateful and starry-eyed and awestruck that I have been able by the grace of God and these steps and the fellowship to get through Thanksgiving and Christmas, not only abstinently, but really joyfully. So, so grateful you're all here today. And thank you so much uh, for your service, Sylvia. I pass. Thank you, Kathy G. Okay, thank you to everyone who shared and thank you to Team Wednesday. And um, we're now going to close the reading, but uh, please stick around uh, for when we turn off the recording. We're going to have the newcomer greeter and um, sponsors. So that's at the end of the recording. So please, the meeting isn't over. We're just going to close out from the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And if, uh, sorry, if Liat TD could read that. Liat, start one. Yes, Carrie, yes, I can do that. Please, Carrie, yes, go ahead. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in modern meditation what you can do each day for the man who is so sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something that you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.